Welcome to the Badass Direct Sales Mastery Podcast with your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Badass Direct Sales Mastery is a podcast for rock star direct sales moms who are determined to make their business kick ass. Jenny will share her knowledge of effective sales and recruiting techniques, tips to get what you want from your business, and will interview direct sales professionals and leaders from various companies. The interviews will give insight to how these rock stars got to where they are and where they plan to grow in the future. And now, the direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Welcome back to another episode of Badass Direct Sales Mastery. I'm your host, your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger, helping you whip your business into shape. Today, I have with me Jeff Rice. Now, I found Jeff through a Facebook reel. And he was talking about, guess what, ADHD. And so, of course, he immediately had my attention. So let me tell you a little bit about Jeff, and then we will dig into this conversation because I know a lot of my listeners have ADHD along with me. So Jeff is an executive ADHD coach, entrepreneur, and CrossFit coach and gym owner. His mission in life is to have a positive first-order impact on the lives of adults with ADHD. His upcoming book, and actually by the time you're listening to this, the book is already out. I'm so excited. I can't wait to read it. So his book is called Your Future ADHD Self, an ADHD-friendly guide to planning and goal setting is now available and addresses the common challenges that ADHD adults face in creating an intentional life. Jeff, thank you for being here. You're very welcome. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. So I saw you in a Facebook reel about that you did about ADHD and immediately reached out and said, I want to have you on my show. But how did you become an ADHD coach? Yeah. So I've, I've been in coaching for quite a while. I've been in specifically fitness coaching for a long time. I opened a CrossFit gym with my wife in 2010, and I've been doing that for a long time. But I've also, uh, like you, I'm a person with ADHD, and so I've always been keenly interested in the domain and, and have tried to learn and understand as much as I could. And then when the pandemic hit, uh, my gym is in New York State, all gyms in New York State were closed and forced yeah. to be closed for what ended up being a long time. And so when that happened, I had to pivot and had to figure out what I was going to do now that I wasn't making any money. So I started looking into other avenues for coaching and applied for and was hired by a company called Executive ADHD Coaching, um, which is founded by Shauna Pearson and she trained me in some of the specific details of ADHD coaching, and I coached for her for a couple of years before I eventually went off on my own. Okay, very cool. And so now in working with ADHD, what what is it that gets people to say, okay, I need a coach? The interesting thing here is that I think what happens for most of us with ADHD, well, first of all, I, w- I want to say that probably for for a lot of people, over the age of about 40, I will say, were never diagnosed as kids because right. 40 years ago, it wasn't really widely known what this ADHD thing was. And so for a lot of adults now with ADHD, what they find is through life, they develop uh, compensation mechanisms. 
they've kind of figured out how to deal with life based on the way their brain works. And so, you know, they're forgetful. So they figured out ways of remembering where their keys are, where their phone is, or, or maybe not, you know, but they're right. they've kind of figured out how to navigate their life in a pretty reasonable way until suddenly they can't. Usually what happens is something changes in life. You know, maybe they they lose a job, maybe they run into relationship problems where, you know, suddenly a spouse is like, you know, I can't deal with this anymore. I want a divorce. Or, you know, someone close to them passes away and their circumstance changes. Yeah. And then suddenly all of the compensation mechanisms don't work anymore. And then they're like, okay, what's going on? And sometimes like in my case, it's exactly what happened to me. It led me to get a diagnosis. Like I had to kind of figure out what the heck is going on. I got a diagnosis and then started trying to put the pieces back together again. Why am I doing the things the way I do? Why did they work before and they don't work now? What do I have to change? What do I have to adapt? And yeah. so I think for a lot of people, what happens is there's a change in circumstance and they kind of don't understand or can't figure out what do they have to do to adapt to kind of get back on track. And sometimes yeah. it is like they've set goals for themselves where they've been pretty good at achieving their goals. And then they set a new goal, maybe because of those circumstances, and they don't know how to get there. Yeah. And so they can't figure out how to get there. And then they say, I need help. I need help figuring out this ADHD thing so that I can achieve this goal that I'm having difficulty with. Right. Well, I can definitely attest to the fact that the number of the number of adults who have never been diagnosed, but they suspect it. Right. Yeah. Because I'm I'm kind of the oddball out, although still representative of what happens a lot in the world of ADHD diagnosis, which is my brother got diagnosed when he was going into fifth grade. And my parents sat us down and my, my father it was a physician. So he went to the DSM two. That's how long ago this was. Wow. Photocopied the page for ADD because it didn't have the H in right. it yet. Right. And said, here's what your brother has just been diagnosed with. So we're going to be doing things a little bit differently and blah, blah, blah. And I remember looking at it and they had like two columns, if I remember correctly, in the DSM-2. And it was all these different symptoms. And then in column two was a couple other symptoms. But then there was one little thing off to the side which was the only way you could get diagnosed with ADD was if you had hyperactivity. You had to have physical hyperactivity. It was an absolute requirement to be diagnosed with it. But I looked at it and I looked at my parents and I went, this is me. Like, do you see this? This just, this describes me. And because I was going into ninth grade and I was like, this, this is me. And they're like, no, it's not because you don't have hyperactivity. Because I was the the dreamer, the, yeah. the the one in class that the teacher was like, Jenny, hey, hey, hey. And I don't know if Zoom's catching me snapping, but <laughs> like literally they were snapping to try and get me out of my little, my world. Right, right. Because what we didn't know back then that we know now is that girls hyperactivity, hyperactivity shows up differently. It's not in the body like it is for right, right. male presenting humans. It's in our brain. You can't see the pinball Correct. game that's happening inside of our heads, but it sure is, right? So I didn't get my diagnosis till I was 23. When I find, and 
I love that you brought up the fact that there was a change in life because that's what happened. I was going back to college again. I already had a degree, but I was going back because I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I was like, I can't do this college thing again. It's too, it was too hard, you know? And that's right. what got me to go get the diagnosis. So I, for me, it was just the awareness of finally understanding what it was because I tried medication back then. And this was 23 years ago. And medication 23 years ago didn't work for me. Right. I'm sure if right. I tried it again now, now I'm on a different supplement that helps me now. So I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to give diagnoses, but what works for me works for me. And I love, I love the supplement right. that I take. Right. I mean, the interesting or an interesting thing about ADHD is that it is, it's, it is potentially different in everybody. It, it is such a, a broad dynamic thing that yes, it does manifest differently in different people. And now they've started to try and break it down into multiple different diagnoses so they can be a little more refined with it. Right. But it also impacts, you know, for a long time, it was just thought of like, this is just a prefrontal cortex thing. This is just in one part of your brain. It's just with executive function, whatever, but it's more <laughs> than that. And so is. there's some people like if, if it, if it truly for one individual is around the prefrontal cortex, Again, I'm not a doctor either, but generally speaking, those people tend to respond well to stimulant medications. But if that's not the part of your brain where your ADHD is mostly coming from, then a stimulant medication is not going to work. You need to use something different. There's different neurochemicals, different parts of the brain involved. And the other thing that's interesting about ADHD, I think, is that when you look down the list of symptoms of ADHD in the DSM-5 now, they are all parts of the human condition. There's not a person on the planet that can't say, that can say, oh, I never forget anything or I never, right. you know, have, uh, you know, am distractible or whatever. Like all these symptoms are part of the human condition. And so there are, there is a tendency, I think, in some people to look at the symptoms of ADHD and either one say, oh, I must have ADHD because I do those things or say, well, everybody does those things, so ADHD is not a real thing. Oh, and those are wrong. You know, right. it, the, you really have to have these symptoms basically for your entire life. You know, no one, no one suddenly gets ADHD when they're you know fifty years old, right? Uh, so you have to have this track record of this, and it has to have been chronic. You know, everybody forgets things, but you know, ADHD people forget things all the time. Yes. Well, people are distractible. ADHD people are, are distractible all the time. Right. And that's the big distinction there. You know, so I do talk to some people who say, you know, I have these symptoms and these symptoms. When you start drilling down into it, you know, it's like you really need to get a full diagnosis, you know, because, you know, you obviously are having some of these symptoms, but I, you know, it's hard to tell in some people whether it's really ADHD or not, you know, and truly right. the only way to know is to go through the, the tests and get a full diagnosis. Right. Absolutely. And and I recommend for people, if you are having these things that are affecting your life, your relationship, your business, because of course, this is a business podcast, right? The purpose right. of this is to help people who are entrepreneurial. They're in direct sales, network marketing, and MLM. Now, I've also found out that there's a number of people who aren't in the industry who listen because it's just business is business. I don't care how you get paid. Right. right. But 
it's very interesting to see because I, I did a little research on ADHD and entrepreneurs and just the little bit of Google research that I did. Right. And the numbers that I saw were jaw dropping. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the number of entrepreneurs who are diagnosed, right, just diagnosed. It's something it's something insane, like depending on which study you look at, but it's generally around 50 percent or higher of entrepreneurs are diagnosed ADHD. Yeah, absolutely. And and when you look at some of the characteristics of ADHD, some of the more positive characteristics of having an ADHD brain, they are very well aligned with entrepreneurial activities. So, yeah. you know, we are we are really good problem solvers. We are creative thinkers. We think I always tell people ADHD people think multi-directionally, whereas non-ADHD people tend to think more linearly. So we're going to come up with creative solutions. We're going to spot potential risks and problems that other people won't come across until they get there. And and we have a tendency to be more risk takers. And so we're more likely to say, start a new business. Yeah, I'm all in. Let's go. You know, ready, fire, aim. We're going to jump in. <laughs> and so these these characteristics lend themselves to people being more entrepreneurial. And so it doesn't surprise me at all at the numbers of people that were entrepreneurs. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur myself. I've had multiple businesses and done multiple things throughout my career, which is very much in alignment with the way my brain is wired. Right. Exactly. And so for people, let's let's go with the people who are pretty sure or they've been like people like you and I who've been diagnosed what are some of the things that they can put into place to support the negative sides of ADHD? Because there's pros and cons, right? You you brought right. up the good stuff. We've all suffered through, I shouldn't oh, say absolutely. all of us, but a vast absolutely. majority of us have suffered through the multitude of negative things that come out of ADHD as well, because we're in a world that was built for, quote unquote, neurotypicals. Right. What are some of the things that they basic things people can begin to put into place now? That's a great question. So let me let me attack it this way. So first of all, I think one of the first steps it, for people with ADHD mm -hmm. is to understand that fundamentally this is the way your brain is wired. Your brain is wired to be this way. And through neuroplasticity, we can effectively do some rewiring of our brains, but my own experience and the experience I have working with lots of people with ADHD is that our brain kind of always wants to go back to its default wiring. Yeah. And the analogy I always draw with people is like, you know, if you are, look, I'll give you this example for my life. I'm right-handed. Okay, okay. So my brain is wired to be right-handed. And about eight or nine years ago, I had an injury to my right shoulder. I had to have surgery and I had to have my right arm in a sling for several weeks until I was really allowed to start using it again. And at the time, I did a lot of work with the computer. So I had to learn how to use the mouse with my left hand. And it was horrible. It was a yeah. terrible experience. But over the span of several weeks, I got pretty good at it. I got to the point where I could mouse effectively. I could click. I do all the things I need to do until the cast came or the, the sling came off. Right. As soon as the sling came off, I immediately went back to using my right hand. And in a very short amount of time, I lost everything I had gained in my left arm. Ooh. I couldn't do it anymore. 
because my brain went back to its default wiring. And to a certain extent, that is true with ADHD people. So like if I develop, for example, if I develop an adaptive behavior, I, and I talk about this specifically in my book about a lot of it's about planning and goal setting. Yeah. If I develop a habit around planning, I want to be really good at planning. I want to plan my days. And so I have a, you know, an idea of where I'm going, what I'm going to be doing. And I develop habits and structures around becoming a good planner, doing that every day. I can do that. Somewhere lurking in the back of my brain is the wiring that says, I don't do planning. And so it's easy for me to slip back into that. Mm-hmm. So when I develop an adaptive behavior for ADHD, I have to understand, first of all, it's going to be work and it will always be work. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't expect this is someday going to be so automatic that I don't even have to think about it anymore. I will probably always have to think about it. It will always be some level of effort. Now, if I get great rewards from that effort, that's great. You know, that's, yeah. that, you know, that's a reinforcement and everything. Great. That'll work. But I have to keep in mind that it's always going to be work. And then somewhere, like I said, somewhere in the back of my brain, there's a wiring that says, I don't want to do this thing that I'm doing. So what that leads me to is when you develop an adaptive behavior, you have to be very realistic about, okay, I'm going to do this thing. Am I willing to accept that this is going to be work for me and will always be work for me in order to get this bigger goal that I want? And if that equation aligns up, perfect. If that equation does not line up, you need to think about what's a different way that I can do this that's more aligned with the way my brain works. So if I wasn't a good planner, if I wasn't good at or I wasn't good at doing the work to be a good planner and manage my schedule and everything, then I would be much better off, for example, hiring a virtual assistant and say, you own my calendar. You tell me where to go, what I have to do. I don't want to do that work. So, I mean, again, that's a very effective approach to it because what I've said is I understand this is where my brain works. I could put in the enormous amount of work it would take to be, it would take to rewire this, or if I'm not willing to put that work in, if the reward is not worth the work, I need to find a way to do this differently so that I don't have to worry about rewiring my brain. And you look at a lot of the very, very successful entrepreneurs with ADHD, part of their success is they understand this either consciously or unconsciously, and they do this. Yes. You know, you look at very successful entrepreneurs and oftentimes, you know, if you see them, you'll see that either in person or remotely, someone is leading them around every place they have to go. Here's your next appointment. You got to be here. You got to do this and everything because they don't want to have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And they're never late and they never miss appointments and everything. But they are not doing that work themselves. They're redirecting, they're, they're saving that energy for something that's more important to their mission. Oh my God. Okay. So I wish you guys could have watched my face as he was <laughs> describing this and, and maybe someday I'll get permission from him to put this out on video because I'm, you could literally, I watched myself like, oh, the, yes. So in 2012, I had been an entrepreneur uh, in, in the world of direct sales for two years, I got pregnant. ADD brain plus pregnancy brain, y'all. I mean, mm, I, I've never felt like a bigger idiot in my life than when I'm pregnant plus ADHD brain because right. The, right. The, it compounded and exponentially took my ADHD to another level, right? Forgot words, could not could not remember anything. 
But luckily, right around that time, Google Calendar on your phone became a thing. And I was like, so when you were talking about somebody who has somebody who leads them around, I don't have a person. The thing that I allow to lead me around is my Google Calendar. Right. Yes. Because it dings on my phone or on my computer, depending on where I am. And it's like, hey, girl, you got a thing in 10 minutes. <laughs> right. Right. And, and, and that lets me have my Midwestern goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> right. That takes 10 minutes to get me out of a thing. <laughs> and then I'm able to go to the next thing. And if I'm late, it's like a minute because it's Zoom. This is like, let me tell you, going virtual is one of the greatest things that ever happened to ADHD people because now we don't have to take into account drive time and all of the things that made us late. But yeah, Google Calendar runs my life. I, I have said for years now because I, I joke about this. I'm like, I gave my brain to Google years ago. So I didn't have, but it's an AD. Now I know it's like, oh, that was an ADHD compensation. Yeah. I don't want to have to think about where I am. Google tells me where to go and what to do. Exactly. Yeah. And so a lot of, a lot of being successful with ADHD is, is again, understanding how your brain works, mm -hmm. understanding that compensation mechanisms are work. Yeah. Sometimes they're worth it. Sometimes they're not. Right. And you have to always be on the lookout for ways that you can leverage, you know, people, relationships, technology, whatever, to do things for you if that is available to you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like when you mentioned Google, like another thing that, you know, is very common mm -hmm. for ADHD entrepreneurs and business people, people that I coach is they'll say, you know, oh my, you know my email's a disaster. It's like I get millions of emails a day and I don't go through all of them and I have this, you know, all these problems with it and I have like, hey, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. But I don't care because I have Gmail and right. if I ever need to find any email, I can search for it. Yep. And it's, so I don't worry about organizing it. I don't worry about, you know, deleting it. If I see an email that I'm not going to read, I typically just ignore it. And so my email says that I have like, you know, 30,000 unread emails. I don't care that they're all junk. I don't care. Okay. I don't bother. I don't bother. I don't waste the time managing okay. it and trying to make it neat and clean because I can effectively utilize the tools within Gmail to get to anything I ever need to get to. Ah, uh, thank you. Because I have for years <laughs> now, like a friend, a, a, a good friend of mine uh, who is also a, a mentor, his thing is inbox zero. Yeah. Like he loves inbox zero. And and I've been like, well, maybe if I can just I'm gonna let go of that now. Thank you. For for every person with ADHD, the first thing I want to tell you about email is do not be seduced by inbox zero. <laughs> Thank you. Way too much work. It and you know, again, <sighs> most most contemporary email tools, whether you're using Gmail or Outlook or whatever you're using, they have advanced enough search features that you know you don't you don't need to have an inbox zero you know i yeah. between between the search features and between you know just a simple quick method of tagging things that i need to get back to that's enough that's enough for me to be able to manage my email without 
missing significant things and, and so on. So anyway, again, it's leveraging the tools that you have. And the inbox zero thing is also interesting that you bring that up because it's another common problem that people with ADHD have. And that is that, first of all, we're, we are in the minority, right? And so the world is not designed for the minority. It's designed for the majority. And so most things out there are designed for neurotypical people, which right. is fine. Right. But the problem is that when we try to do things, we are typically taught and encouraged to do them in neurotypical ways. Mm-hmm. You know, so manage your email. Oh, here, let me show you inbox zero. I look at inbox zero. Totally understand it. It makes great sense. I can see the benefits. This is awesome. I will never be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the thing that happens to a lot of ADHD people is we start feeling a sense of guilt or failure because we can't do these things that we understand so well, that seem so simple and straightforward, but we can't do them. Um, and we, we get down on ourselves. We, we beat ourselves up because, you know, the vast majority of ADHD people that I, that I have worked with, that I have met are very, very intelligent. Oh, yeah. And so when you see something that you completely understand, it seems simple, seems straightforward and direct, and you can't do it, it like it creates this sort of like, you know, short circuit in your brain. It's like, this doesn't make sense. Like there's right. this dichotomy between I'm super smart, I understand it, this thing is easy, and I can't do it. I can't make the connection. Yeah. And, and so again, eventually you have to realize that this neurotypical playbook that we're all given as we grow up and as we start, you know, learning in school and college and so forth, it's not for you. It's like, it's, a, it's the wrong playbook. It's like teaching me as a right-handed person, like the only way you can play baseball is you can throw it with your left hand. That's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. I will never be successful. I have to throw with my right hand. Yeah. Same thing with ADHD. If I'm going to be successful, I have to create and follow or learn an ADHD playbook for how to succeed. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. Uh, thank you. Because <laughs> what I have now playing in my head, thank you, ADHD, is is frozen to let it go. Just let it go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, and, and because I would 100% agree that ADHD people are the best at being the hardest on ourselves because, mm. um, to, to give an example, once again, from my own life, because this is, you know, I, I connect with this so, so interesting in such a deep way. The number of people in my life who've told me, oh, my God, you are so organized. And I for years and it's only been until recently that I realized, holy shit, no, I am. Oh, my God, I'm an ADHD person who's seriously organized. Now, here's the caveat in some areas. Yes. Yep. It's not in all. Like right now, if you guys could see my desk, you would not call me an organized human being. There are piles and there's stuff. I can tell you where everything is. Yeah. Right. But it's not what one would consider organized. But the way that I live and die by my calendar, the rules that I have in place when, when I'm booking something with somebody it goes when I'm even talking live. I am putting in my calendar right now. I'm not relying on the fact 
for later. And people are like, oh, wow, you're doing this right now. Yeah, because if I don't do it now, it will not get done. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And you it's, know, and that, it's, just that... that, that it I brings can... up an interesting, an interesting thing because two really famous authors and, and psychiatrists in the ADHD world, um, Ned Hallowell and John Reedy, okay. wrote, they wrote a bunch of books, ADHD 2.0, Driven to Distraction, all the, the kind of classics in yeah. the ADHD world. And Ned Hallowell is credited with coming up with the term, with the, the term or the phrase, uh, ADHD people have two temporal realities, now and not now. Which means that when we, like what you described, you know, something yeah. comes up and you have learned over the years that if I don't do this now, it's going to go into the not now bucket. And that's a place where most things disappear. <laughs> I don't do it now. It's going into not now. And not now usually means never. Right. Sometimes we're lucky and we remember something and then bring it back into the now. But yeah, you know, well, we have and, to do things in the now. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I recommend when when I'm talking to entrepreneurs who are coming to the belief that they are ADHD or they where they've gotten the diagnosis, I, I I ask them the question, how many notebooks do you have? Right. And they go, oh, my God, how did you know? And I'm like, right, because we write down everything. But here's the thing. How often do you go back and review them? Never, because we don't. Right. So one of the tools that I recommend for people is something called Rocketbook. Yeah. Because we still get the the sensation of actually writing because it's a notebook. Right. But then when we need pages again, we either scan it because we need to keep it or it forces you to look back through and I'm like, oh yeah, I promised that thing to somebody and I didn't do it. So I go do it. And now I've, I might be two weeks late, but by God, it got done. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. because having a book that I have to review before I can wipe clean, because then I spritz it with water, wipe it clean. And now I have a new page to use again. Right. Right. It gets me back to getting more productive because it's, like Rocketbook is the greatest thing ever invented, I think. It after Google Calendar. <laughs> right, right. Rocketbook is the next thing because it it gets me to go back through and do the thing. Right. right? At that I wrote down. Oh, okay, Jeff, we could talk forever. We could, but we can't today because <laughs> I've I've got a I've got a hard stop, like literally now, but we're we're gonna take a couple extra minutes to let everybody know, first of all. You are kind enough to offer 10 copies of your ebook. Uh, and remember, the book is called Your Future ADHD Self, an ADHD-friendly guide to planning and goal setting to 10 of my listeners. So, y'all, I hope you're listening to this on the day this comes out, because if you're ADHD and you want Jeff's information, you could be one of the 10 who gets the, the ebook for free. You're offering this complimentary for my for the first 10 listeners who reach out. We're going to have the link in the show notes for people to click to go get the coupon code to use, right? Um tell us a little bit about the book cuz the the title is a, a good starter piece. It's the guide to uh, ADHD friendly guide to planning and goal setting. Right. What benefit will people get from going through the book? There's a couple benefits I hope they get. One is that I 
you know, as part of what we've talked about and what I always try to convey to my ADHD clients is that, you know, you're not broken or I hate the disordered part of ADHD at last Um, This is just the way your brain is wired. Okay. So um, I try to, you know, sort of normalize that a little bit. And through the book, I talk a lot about some of the science behind ADHD and that it is just a wiring of the brain. But I specifically talk mostly in the book about this whole idea of like, why is planning and goal setting so difficult for us? Like, why do we have such mm-hmm. difficulties with it? And then I go through a methodology for becoming good at daily planning first, and then thinking about longer term, medium and long term goals, what you have to do to kind of navigate towards those things, some of the science behind it, some of the tricks and things you can do. And then I also talk at the end of the book about another part that I'm passionate about. As you mentioned, I, um, I own a CrossFit gym. I've been a CrossFit coach for 13 years. Um, an important aspect of ADHD is there's this foundation for your brain health that sits on top of exercise, nutrition, and sleep. And when any one of those pillars is not attended to, your brain health, your brain chemistry will be off. And that'll make your ADHD worse. And so regardless of the habits and skills and things you try to develop, if you're not paying attention to those three things, you're not going to be at your best. And so it talks in the book, I also talk about those things and things that you can think about and do towards improving exercise, nutrition, and sleep. Oh, yes, please. And thank you. Because, <laughs> you know, it's the, it, it is that, um, you know, I, I, hope you can back me up on this because this has certainly been my own personal experience. I feel like it's harder for ADHD people to develop a habit based on what you what you were talking about before, because we're basically trying to rewire our brains and we're never going to be able to rewire our brains the way a neurotypical does with a new habit. Is that right? right. Yeah. Oh. And, and significantly, like they're, one of the most popular books on habits is Atomic Habits by, Je- yeah. by James Clear. It's a great uh-huh. book. Great book. But it's not really for ADHD people because there's a critical part of his habit cycle, which I believe is missing. And that's the key thing about, and I talk about this in my book too, that when we try to develop habits, again, we're usually following a neurotypical playbook. And what yeah. we don't understand is that unless there's an element of you know, interest, novelty, challenge, or urgency to something, regardless of how important it is, regardless of how cool it is, how, what a benefit is, we won't do it. Right, And so we have to figure that into how we build habits too. And I do talk about that in the book too. Oh, okay. Yes. I can't wait to read this. Now for the listener, my badass crew, the Kindle book is coming out literally either the day we're recording or the day after. Like he's going to let me know as soon as it does, because I'm going to get a copy. <laughs> right. And I'm going to be playing it. Right. It, it hasn't come out quite yet, but I'm, I'm going to be all over that because it, it's just, this is huge. And so for the badass crew, in addition to the book, if you have heard what Jeff is talking about and you're like, I need this guy because y'all, I do not coach ADHD. I coach business with people who happen to have it <laughs> and help them set up systems, processes, tools that support those kinds of things. But I don't coach ADHD, not the way Jeff does. So if you are sitting here going, I feel like I need this guy. I want to talk to him. I want some more information. Jeff, how can they reach out to you? Probably the best way is to shoot me an email 
And that can start the conversation. And my email is jeff at coachyouradhdbrain.com. Oh, love it. So that's jeff at, and it's jeff spelled the typical way, guys. J-E-F-F, yep. (laughs) Yep. Uh, At coachyouradhdbrain.com. So, and of course, we'll have the email in the show notes. If this is your first time listening, you have no idea what show notes are. Click on today's episode, scroll under Jeff's picture. You'll see his email. You'll also see the link to go uh, possibly grab one of the first 10 copies of the, the complimentary e, uh, e-book uh, through Kindle from Jeff. So thank you. This is amazing. I, I'm going to have to have you. This is, <laughs> this is a no-brainer. Jeff's coming back. We're going because <laughs> we can go in so many different directions. Shocker on this because I feel like we just scratched the surface on this. So I really want to have people come away from this. A, you're not alone. More than 50% of entrepreneurs are are dealing with this and many have been dealing in silence. You're not alone. You don't have to do it in silence anymore. And there are people out there like Jeff who can help you, right? He may not get the business part of direct sales, but that's what I'm here for. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Right. You know, I I really do believe the two of us can work in, in tandem with each other. So I want to I want to keep this conversation going. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. This was amazing because I had my own aha. Like, thank God. Just I don't care about my number anymore. <laughs> it's like a weight literally lifted. Awesome. Just, thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Badass Crew, you know how this goes. Stay tuned because there's another Badass episode on its way. Thanks for listening to the Badass Direct Sales Mastery Podcast with your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Why are you waiting to go to BadassDirectSalesMastery.com? Don't make the dom get her whip. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with another rock star that you know in direct sales after you subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. You can also check out the show notes for links and any contact information mentioned in today's episode. We'll see you next time.